is a new kind of government. If you look at the wide scope of history, for America was founded upon this democracy. Americans fled Britain because they had been ruled by corrupt kings. But like all other governments, democracy has its own issues. When man is put in power without a sensitivity to God, these governments cannot work. Democracy without God is man's worship and elevation of himself and his own intelligence. In everything that we do, we've got to have God at the center and at the forefront of everything. If we elevate man and if we elevate ourselves above God, this is the major fault of humanity. But because he is king and because he is, we are his people, there's only one government that matters, and that is the kingdom of God. There's only one government that reigns supreme, and that is God who sits upon his throne. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6 says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. Verse number 7, Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice. This isn't just any other form of government because Jesus is the government. He took it upon himself to establish his kingdom when he came to earth so that we might have some form of redemption, so that we would be heirs in his kingdom. Jesus did not come to establish a religion. He did not come to establish something that was just mundane and was just common. But he came to establish his kingdom on earth. When Jesus came unto earth, born of a virgin Mary, he came with a very specific purpose, and that was to establish his kingdom. From the very beginning of his ministry, one of the very first messages that Jesus ever preaches is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He wasn't just coming to set up another form of government, and he wasn't just coming to set up another form of religion, but what he was coming to do was to establish his kingdom so that we might have everlasting life. Daniel chapter 4 verse 3 says that his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion from generation to generation. There's a difference between religion and the kingdom of God. I would claim that I am not a religious person. This might seem like it is a sacrilegious statement, but religions die and religions fade. But one thing that stays true is the word of God. His word remains true and it has been tested. It has been true and I want to align myself with the kingdom of God and what he wants to do in my life. I don't want to align myself with the religions. I don't want to align myself with the things of this world, but I want to align myself with his kingdom for his kingdom is coming. If we look at religion, we look at the different kinds of things that religion produce. Religion preoccupies man until he finds the kingdom. You hear of people that come to church and you hear of people that come into this house. They will tell you something very specific. They'll say, you know, I have, I have looked far and wide and I have looked for a church just like I feel uh, today. And, and I've gone to churches and I've gone places and I, I just don't quite feel what I feel in this place. I don't quite feel this 
at other places, and, and they question it, and they, they wonder why that is, but, but we know why that is. That's because they have just stepped in to the kingdom of God. That's because they have just entered into his presence where all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Religion prepares man to leave earth, but the kingdom of God empowers man to take dominion on earth. Religion seeks to take earth to heaven, but the kingdom seeks to bring heaven down to earth. Religion seems, excuse me, religion seeks to, to take earth to heaven. The kingdom seeks to bring heaven down to earth. For thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Religion is not the answer. Religion is not the, uh, the absolute priority. Another church is not the answer in another church is not the priority, but the kingdom of God is the answer to all of your needs. And everything that you need in life is answered by the kingdom of God. We are not just servants in his kingdom. We are not only servants. It is important that each and every one of us have a heart of a servant. We must be willing to serve in his kingdom, but I am not only a servant because I am a child of God and I am an heir unto his kingdom. And this means that everything that I do, I can have dominion and I can have power because I am a child of the king. When we come into the house of God, it's not right for us to hang our heads and it's not right for us to, to be down upon ourselves because we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I don't want to come with my head hung down and I don't want to come with simply another day that I, that's gone by, but I want to come showing praises unto the king for when is when I think of his goodness and all that he has done for me I can't help but shout and I can't help but dance because we are the children of this king and because we are the children in his kingdom we have been given the opportunity to take dominion over earth Jesus says that there has been no greater than John the Baptist he that is least in the kingdom is even greater than he. What exactly does this statement mean? What exactly does this phrase mean? Well, it means that John the Baptist's life and his ministry, it concluded before the new covenant was ever formed. Jesus was not yet resurrected when John the Baptist passed away. And this means that the greatest man that came before Jesus, arguably John the Baptist, he says there has been none greater than he. This means that you and I have opportunity to exercise that dominion because you and I are even greater than one of the greatest men that ever lived in the Bible. When Jesus died, there was a new covenant that took place so that you and I could have redemption. And this means that if you feel as if you are on rock bottom and if you feel as if you are on the very bottom of things, you still have opportunity because you know the king and you know the creator. Even if you are the least in his kingdom, you are able to exercise this dominion on earth. We were created from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air 
and over the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. This meant that man was made, man was established to have dominion over everything. Man was established to have dominion over all of the earth. But that dominion was lost when Adam and Eve decided that at the fall of man they were going to make a choice. The presence that we feel in this house is because we are in his kingdom. We are established by his kingdom. But the gospel message is more than just a cross. The gospel message is more than just about the cross. The good news about the gospel is that we have been entered into his kingdom. Everything that we feel in the house of God today is because we are in his kingdom. He is seated on the throne and he has never lost a battle. And every time that we lift up our hands and there is a powerful flow that moves, that is because where two or three are gathered together, there he will be in our midst. It is not by might, it is not my power, but it is by spirit, saith the Lord. When you take charge of something or when you push or control something, you are able to have dominion over it. So what does this mean if we are to have dominion, if we are to have power over everything in this earth? And Jesus came to establish his kingdom so that we might have dominion. What does this mean? Well, we have the opportunity in everything that we do that we can either take dominion or we can allow dominion to take hold of us. And we can go through different examples in the Bible and we can look at different stories that that look at the dominion that is controlling each and every individual. If we are not careful, we can allow certain things and certain stories, certain behaviors to take dominion in our life. They take up residence and they control every part of our being, whether it may be fear, whether it may be doubt, whether it may be the past or sin, whatever it may be. But David gives us a prayer that he says, Psalm chapter 19, verse number 13, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. And I've come to tell somebody that you, you don't have to live in bondage to sin. You don't have to live in bondage of the past. You don't have to live in bondage of what has a hold of you, but you can take dominion and you can take power knowing that when God saved you, when God redeemed you, there was a power that was instilled in, in you that gave you the power to exert your dominion on earth. Romans chapter 6, verse number 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so whatever you may feel in the house of God tonight, whatever you may experience, you can take control of it. And some of those things we've already prayed about and some of those things we've already talked about. And, and you can take dominion over those things by the grace of God because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is grace. There is healing. There is repentance, deliverance, whatever it may be. And as we go back to our text scripture, we are the child of the king. We are the child of the king whose kingdom reigns supreme. We are allowed to, to take some things by force. We are allowed to 
to dictate what can and can't happen in our own lives. Psalms chapter 34, verse number 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. In everything that we do, our situation does not predicate our praise. And it may sound uh, as if it is just simply a statement, but, but praise doesn't know what a discouragement is. And praise doesn't know what a downfall is. But, but what praise does is praise is consistent. Praise only knows what it is to enter into the house of God. Praise only knows what it is to remain constant in the house of God. Because if he's ever done anything good for you, that is reason enough to give him a praise. That is reason enough to just lift up your hands and declare unto him, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We read about a story of Paul and Silas, Acts chapter 16, verse number 25. We can put it on the screen. Beautiful. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Next verse. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. You see, when you give God a praise and when you put your faith in God, suddenly things begin to move and things begin to change. The foundation begins to move. And in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse number 7, Landon already read, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, there was a shaking, and the bones gathered in the bone to his bone. When we make a noise and when we come into the house of God, when I lift up my voice, I'm not just praising because simply I feel like jumping around. It's really hot. I don't really feel like jumping around. But what I'm doing is I'm giving God a praise. Why? Because when I praise and when I dance, when I get a little jig, all of a sudden the ground begins to move and my situation begins to change. And all of a sudden I have dominion and I have power and I have the authority and I have the upper hand. Come on, somebody, lift up your voice, lift up your hand. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Psalms chapter 98, verse number 4 says, Make a joyful noise, musicians, come. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. If we want to have a different outcome, we want to have a different move of God. We want to have a deeper anointing. Whatever it may be, there's got to be something that moves and there's got to be something that changes. It can't just be out of something that is routine and it can't just be out of something that, that we do day in and day out. But it's got to become a point where we become so desperate for a change that we break the routine and we break the norm and do something different. And if you have been promised victory, you have been promised revival, and you don't understand why it never comes and why it never is offered unto you, I think it's about time that you do something a little bit different, and I think it's about time that you offer praise unto God. Why? Because if you want opportunity and you want the promise and you want the things of God, it's time to lift up our voice, and now is the time. Today is the day, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's time that we give it to God with a praise. See, praise can change the situation. 
Praise can change everything that we know it already is. Praise is doctrinal. David returning with the Ark of the Covenant. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse number 12. As we all stand, we can get that on. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom, and all that pertaineth unto him because of the Ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. Next verse. And it was so that when they had bare the ark of the Lord, had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. Next verse. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. You know what that means? David was taking some things by force. He was taking six steps, and all of a sudden it was just a little shout, and it was just a little dance. And you know what? Six more steps, and it's just a little dance, and it's just a little shout. Why? Because he was taking some things by force. He didn't know how it was going to happen. He didn't know what was going to happen, but he was taking it by force. Now, another key thing. Put that scripture back up, please, if you will. Verse 14. 2 Samuel 6, verse 14. The Bible says that he was wearing a linen ephod. If you look at different commentaries and you look at different uh, theologians that look at this particular text, it sometimes can be a little misconstrued because we can think that David was, was simply uh, immodest before all of his soldiers and all of his people. But... I don't believe that was the case because if you go a few scriptures down, Michael isn't his wife, Michael. She's not, she's not annoyed at him because of the way he's uh, dancing and the way he's praising, but she's annoyed at him because of the way that he's dressed. What happens is David took off the royal robes. David took off what, what he knew was comfortable because here he is, a king sitting upon the throne. And, and what he does is he puts on a linen ephod just like everyone else. And now David is just like all of the other individuals. But that doesn't change the way he praises because that is something that is so powerful because what he did is he took off the robe and he put on a garment of praise. He put on something that he said, you know what? It doesn't matter what I'm wearing. It doesn't matter what I look like. I'm just going to give God some praise. I'm just going to give God all that I have. Why? Because he's able and I'm going to take it by force. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The way that you change the situation and the way that you reroute the directory is you've got to give God some praise. Why? Because that is faith in action. That is how you change the situation. And I believe that as David was jumping and as he was dancing, I believe he was saying, no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. I believe that it is now, now is the time that we need to kick the enemy right in the mouth and we need to take dominion by force. Why? Because he is under our feet. The victory has already been won. The battle has already been won. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. If you look at the word stronghold, what exactly is a stronghold? 
Stronghold is used many times in scripture. It's got many different meanings. But stronghold is a defensive structure. It's particularly used in battle as some kind of of structure, some kind of position. Maybe it's a mountain, maybe it's a cliff. If you read that verse in another passage, it says to the pulling down of fortresses. The way that you tear down a fortress, the way that you tear down a stronghold is you've got to tear it down with some praise. You've got to tear it down with a little shout. Why? Because it says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are praise. The weapons of our warfare, they are six steps and we're praising. Six steps and we're dancing. And so if you've got a problem, you've got a situation, I'd say it's about time that you take it to God. It's about time that you take it unto the king and you say, king, whatever you can do, I'm giving it unto you. And while you work, while you work, I'm going to just take it by force. I'm going to take it by force as they begin to sing. What do you say? We put on the garment of praise and we just dance a little bit in the house of God. Come on, somebody. Don't allow what you look like to bother you. Don't allow. Let's put on the garment of praise. 